Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Edward DeSell, as always, sitting here with Arthur Black. Hey, guys. And we are officially in Amsterdam. And, yes, we are. Uh, stop number one. Uh, we're, we're ready to shoot. We are sitting here with Guillermo Gonzalez from Hiding in Plain Sight. Hello. Do you guys uh, call it Hiding in Plain Sight or just say HPS because that's a really... The name, the actual name of the bar is Hiding in Plain Sight, but uh, the, on the, we don't put it anywhere. The, the logo is HPS. Right. And we, we like people to come up with their own definition of what HPS stands for. Nice. Well, you're definitely Hiding in Plain Sight because uh, I, we've got a photo on our Instagram feed of the outside of this place and there is no markings whatsoever other than the HPS logo on the side. Um, we like I, to we like to think of ourselves as hiding in the neighborhood. Yeah, totally. I, I love the uh, the blacked out blade yeah. sign on on. Uh, yeah, there's literally no logo, no nothing on on the side sticking out of the corner. There is a logo. If you is there? Yeah, if you look closely, you'll see that the, uh, there's a beer logo that's been spray painted by <laughs> yours truly. Nice. Yeah, in the no. form of graffiti vandalism. There is a sign on the door that says no sleeping though. Mm. It says now sleeping. It says now sleeping. Now sleeping. Oh, yes. okay. And wow. The, the other side of that sign says now drinking. Oh, <laughs> ah, there had perfect. to be a, the story behind that. Um, the, 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 just as far as like a neighborhood place, this place is awesome. Like well, um, Ed will put some pics up of it, but just the the look, the feel. It's a small place, really, really cozy. It, it's just it's extremely charming. Thank you. Well, not only that, but the accolades are have poured in. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, what did you have to drink last night, Guillermo? What did I have to drink last night? Um, well, last night was uh, I was getting ready for a nice, chill night at home with my girlfriend, getting to watch rewatch season two of The Wire again, and season two, season three. We're rewatching all. Oh, of okay, the I was like, season two is that weird season. It's all on the docks. Yeah, yeah, but it's a good one. It I is like, good. They're all good. They're all good. I, I never got into. It. I never saw. Really? It. Everyone that, says it's badass. It redefined television. <laughs> but anyway, in the middle of episode four, season two, get a call. This is at ten thirty at night, and Monir, my bartender, who was working last night, something happened with his leg, and he couldn't stand on it properly. So I had to stop whatever I was doing. I was already in my pajamas, already just chilled, and put on some clothes and came down to the bar and had to finish out the shift for him. So naturally, I wasn't in the best mood <laughs> to work at the bar. So, um, so I proceeded to maybe just drink a little bit more than, than I had planned on. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Sundays are usually my chill day. And, um, uh, but in the end, it worked out fine. My girlfriend came in, and we had we made it a moment. And it was actually a really busy Sunday night, so I'm glad I came in in the end. Drink a little bit of everything. No, I drink bourbon when I when when I'm working. If I need a drink, it's usually I'm very simple. It's just two fingers of bourbon, two ice cubes. And that's nice. It. Any particular bourbon that you? Uh, the cheap are, one. The cheap one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks to the right of the menu and orders appropriately. Uh, do you at least live close? I mean, this, this is the neighborhood place. You know, everything in Amsterdam is close. So, like, if you're on a bike, at most you're 20 minutes away from somewhere, or from anywhere. <laughs> and uh, I actually live maybe about five, ten minutes away by bike, depending on traffic. How's that work out, like drinking and the bike thing? Because like we've we're just now in Amsterdam, and but it's obvious that the bike culture here is fucking huge. Like everybody's on bikes, and 
you know, since, you know, I think some people might smoke pot in this country. Like, are there just a bunch of stone drunk people on bikes all the time? Stone tourists on bikes, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, to be, honestly, the locals don't get high all that much. Um, and the locals, if they get high, they'll get high at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you will see a lot of tourists and especially now in the summer today Amsterdam is full it's packed the hotels are, are full the airport is full and you just walk down the streets and you see you're you're just it's a sea of people which is a good thing like tourism yeah, yeah. tourism has been really kind to us this summer and yeah i think we're going back to your question about how does it work with bikes i look at it in a different way like in america i'm i'm from florida and they, they impose so many regulations on, on riding a bicycle. You have to wear a helmet. You have to ride on this. Or you have to like, uh, follow these traffic laws or whatever. And there are similar regulations in Amsterdam. But it's so much more relaxed that it just makes it more open to, I think, uh, just, just people getting on a bike and going somewhere. Versus people coming out of a bar and getting into a car. Mm-hmm. Right, if, right. If you're going to come out of a bar and go, get on a bike and get into an accident, the worst thing that, the, probably the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to hurt yourself. But at least, maybe, hopefully, you don't hurt that many other people. Right, with, right, right. With you. So, uh, Ed, what did you drink last night? Oh, God. I don't even know what last night was after this. I mean, we, yeah. we have been yeah. in Amsterdam all of about an hour and a half. So uh, I guess. Would last night technically count as the cheap wine on the That'd airplane? Been, yeah, <laughs> been flight number one to, to Iceland. Well, we did we did spend quite a bit of time in the Air France lounge drinking. Where did you guys come from? And uh, Chicago. Chicago. So yesterday you were in Chicago. Today you're in Amsterdam. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we uh, the flights were better out of Chicago, so we drove up to um, Chicago, and then uh, we hung out in the Air France lounge and drank really shitty Chardonnay. But I think someone pulled the wrong bottle because they actually had some mum champagne yeah. which isn't great but you know fuck it it's better than you know Prosecco so we drank a bunch of that and then on the plane I had to uh, yeah. have a couple of glasses of really cheap Sauvignon South American Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc like yeah. you know it's best to just drink white Plonk when you're flying it's probably going to be better <laughs> than the red nothing too so, sexy no not at done. all and I didn't drink anything on the second flight I just thought I'll get some work done you yeah. know um, and try and power through but I'm fucking exhausted um, <laughs> I just had a very large uh, espresso and then I've got in front of me we just have we got a smorgasbord of glasses already just uh, we do I've interview. got a little mezcal but you just turned us on to a really cool soda Club Mate and yeah, it's for awesome. our listeners, explain this because we really need to get somebody in the United States to and import this. Did stuff. you ever see this in Florida? Because I've, I'm no. not familiar with this. No, I've, uh, this kind of came about maybe about three or four years ago in Berlin. It started in Berlin. It's a German brand. And like I, I was t- saying to you before, it's just dirt cheap. Like in Berlin, a, a liter of this stuff costs cost you a, a euro. Some, oh, and, and that's awesome. That is awesome. And it has more caffeine than than Red Bull. It actually tastes really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a lemonade, but with mate, yerba mate from Argentina. From South America, yeah. From South America. And it, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's healthy for you. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's very good. It, it, there's kind of like a, uh, a honeyed element. It's a little bit malty. Mm. 
you definitely get the the tea notes to it as well and it, it's ever so slightly floral like just a little bit of chamomile it's 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 really fucking good and i'm happy there's a lot of caffeine in it so we have a drink on the menu with that and it's kind of kind of like a, a mezcal mule so we it's with mezcal the club mate and lime and that's it that and some, like way some better angostura meal. bitters and nice well speaking of your drinks um i mean we're sitting here in a, a, a relatively small place and you have a ton of booze in the shelves and like i said when we kind of got kicked off um you had asked me before we sat down at the table here you know how did i hear about it and i i told you it's hard to not hear about you when when coming to amsterdam there's you know certain bars that everybody is going to recommend especially in cocktail circles but uh matt petrick um cocktail wonk who we've done an interview with in the past what up matt um he led us to here this is one of his favorite places in the city and so this is literally our first stop well all of that is is very kind to hear it's very nice it's it's very nice it's very kind of everyone to say that uh honestly i'm so far removed from everything that is going on in, in cocktail world i just come here and i just want to make drinks and and entertain people that's pretty much it and I don't really go to any of these things or like, uh, or, or I don't, like I'm very bad at, like I, yeah, and, and I'm very bad at following up, you mm-hmm. know, like I might get a business card, but I might not follow up. And <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I'm guilty of that. It's, uh, I'm trying to work on it. You know, I'm trying to work on my networking skills. I'm at a point where like people mm-hmm. hand me a business card. And I'm like, nah, it's okay. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even, not fuck the gesture, you know, mm-hmm. just don't waste, don't waste the, uh, the paper. It's hard, I, it's hard to imagine why people think you're an asshole. I, I recognize <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, I c- it can come across as, as being an asshole, you know, but really it's just, I want people to know any, if anyone is listening, if I don't respond to your messages or if I don't respond to anything, it's not because I'm an asshole. It's just because I forgot. And yeah. so yeah. You, you're operating this place with your wife, right? Uh, I was operating this place with my wife. I've been uh, divorced. Oh, okay. And well, now- you go, Ed. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but uh, it's... Uh, yeah, basically... If anything will do, it'll be owning a bar. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you want to get divorced, open a bar with your, yeah. with your, with your loved one. Um, no, I think what uh, it all worked out in the end. She got the house, I got the bar. Hi, guys. You're good? Uh, we're open at 6 o'clock. Okay, thanks. thanks. So this is... Uh, you've been open how long here? Five years. Five years. Yeah. And so... Um, some months. I think it's pretty cool that, you know, you're... I, I can totally relate to putting your head down and not being aware of what's going on around you. I've kind of had to put my mind to figuring out what's going on around me. And I'm this just is, old. This is one of those tools that we've used as an excuse to just go out and find out what's going on around us and meet all the people that are doing the cool things that I, you know, I get in my little box and I stay in the same four walls every day like you do. Yeah, yeah, I recommend that. They will come. I mean, if you do good work, you know, even if you're not, not, you know, shamelessly self-promoting. People are going to hear about it, you right? Know? And it, it's great that you guys have gotten some some international acclaim, and, and like your intention has just been to come, make good drinks, and you know engage your your guests and facilitate the the cocktail experience. That's just it, really. And I think what um, what kind of helps us is our size. You know, we're small. Like we we do thirty thirty five covers max, and then when we're full, we're full, and we don't do beer, we don't do wine. We're strictly cocktails and spirits. And a lot of people say, well, 
you're missing out on uh, on beer sales and wine sales, or or the, uh, on, the, on the flip side, they say a bar should be something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with that. I don't think that a bar should be something for everyone. I think that you just do what you want to do, and if people like it, people like it. And if they don't like it, then there's other places that they can go to. And since we are small, we, it gives us that flexibility to concentrate on what we do like and turn out a product that we like doing. And we don't have a corporate uh, behind us saying, no, you have to serve right, beer mandates, and wine and mandates and serve coffee and, and donuts or whatever. I don't, I don't know. So, <laughs> traditionally, I'm of the discipline that, you know, like the customer is right, you know, and you should serve things that the customer wants, even if you have more esoteric things. But I think the cocktail culture has grown such to where you go to a cocktail bar for cocktails. Like, who the fuck goes to a cocktail bar and wants, like, or expects a glass of wine? Um, and oftentimes, when you do get that glass of wine, so little attention was paid because you can't yeah, be a, it, it, you can't be an expert at everything in a place. Yeah, you like it's who orders a burger at a lobster place, right? And I think when or the the beer and the wine um, existed as kind of if as kind of offering something else to a big group of people. Mm-hmm. And we've since learned, first of all, we're a very small bar, like I said before, 35 covers. So the maximum group size that we can comfortably take is eight people. And if you're bigger than eight, if you have, if you have a bigger group than eight people, then I'd suggest you go somewhere else. Right. And also what we found is inevitably, the bigger the group, the, the more uh, tastes you have to cater to. And we don't excel at that. We excel more on one-on-one um, uh, interactions or, you know, couples or, or whatever. Just smaller groups is what we excel at. And so we just said, okay, we're just going to focus on this. So what is um, with your, your, your cocktail menu? Is there a particular focus? Do you try and have like a well-rounded cocktail program? I mean, I, I, you know, I've got a tequila in front of me. Ed's got a mezcal in front of him. Obviously, you're, you're fans of that, and I saw some on your, your, your menu as well, but is there, um, despite being a, a bourbon drinker, um, is there like a, a genre that you would put yourself into? Or I just... drink everything, not just bourbon, <laughs> but um, I, we don't, I didn't really think about the cocktail program. I, you know, our first menu, when we first opened, it, when we first opened, we, had, we did have beer and wine, and we had two beers, oh no, one beer, and two reds, two whites, and 12 cocktails. That was our first menu. And now our current menu has something like 45 cocktails oh, wow. and no beer and no wine. And I think what we've tried to do is always strike a balance. And so like we have cocktails that are lighter and more refreshing and you can drink several of them in the course of one evening. And we have cocktails that are more, um, how should I say this, maybe more challenging for, for people. And maybe they're interesting, but maybe they're just not uh, the kind of drink that you would want to drink over and over and over sure. again in one night. And, and we also have drinks that, we, that we're very proud of, of, of the flavor combinations that we've, we've come across. So I think we just kind of just 
we experiment. We have we have a kitchen downstairs, and we only use that kitchen to make the drinks. We don't. Oh, do, so there's no. If I saw the kitchen walking by. There's no food. There's no food. Yeah, we 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 come in. We make our syrups. We make infusions. We make weird things that go into the into the drinks, but that's it. Like we just use that space downstairs as a kind of. Um, the way I see it is like that's the the prep kitchen, and then uh, the bar is the the final kitchen. Or what do you call it? In, in like uh, actually, we have got a prep kitchen for our uh, for our bar as well at one of our places. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it was originally built as a prep kitchen for the cooks, and they didn't want to go downstairs to go up and down the stairs and doing prep. So. Yeah. We commandeered it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there's a lot of it's prep. It's handy because there is a lot of prep. Yeah. And I mean, especially if you've got three or four syrups going on, you've got your infusions, you've got a somewhere. And, yeah. yeah. And stuff that makes a mess on the bar. Right. Yeah. Is there anything? I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was like, you're, you're juicing, you know, in the middle of service behind the bar because you ran out. You, your customers have got to listen to it. I mean, you don't, you don't have a blender back there? Or you don't have a, <laughs> we yeah. do have one. It's downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <Yeah>. loud. <laughs> Is there anything you're playing around with um, recently? Like, I see you've got a pretty awesome selection of um, Amari back there. Um, but do you do anything with, like, Sherry in any of your I have to make a little disclaimer here because you guys are looking at the back bar on Monday <laughs> before we've got the delivery so like this is the monday there's gonna be more shit up there this is the monday after a busy weekend and wow and that's right he said he was actually ex exceptionally these, busy last night yeah these busy these boxes are uh eventually going on the shelves so, <laughs> so we got five nine liter cases of more <laughs> right, more items to go there's, there's the more shelf. than that because there's some behind us <laughs> it's awesome we've got a busy day so um, what led to the what was the genesis of this place i mean because you said you were originally well you were living in florida are you Originally from Argentina, is that right? I was born in Argentina, but I grew okay. up in Miami and, okay. or and Orlando. Okay, right on. Yeah. Uh, we actually Miami was the genesis of this podcast. We were at the Rum Renaissance Festival, and one year ago, yeah, well, about a year and a half ago when we thought of it, when we were drunkenly outside of our apartment. Now, what? Oh, so it's, it's a one-year um, anniversary what, from when we started. Like but oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. This is our, our one-year uh, episode, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, happy 20, happy anniversary. Twenty-five <laughs> Thank episodes. You so well, it's it's cool to spend it with you, but uh, so I mean, it, you eventually at some point made your way from Florida to the Netherlands. Oh, that's a long story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I've been in Europe since 2003, and uh, I've been in Amsterdam since 2008. And somewhere along the line, I guess I figured I don't really know how to do anything, so I said. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well open a bar. It's a realization <laughs> in life. You know, like, you know what? I got no skill set. Smart people all do what we do, right? I'm going to open a fucking bar. Um, no, actually, I, I, I was, I was in, I've been working in bars for like 20 years, but always in entertainment business. So like as a DJ or as a promoter okay. or, or as the entertainment side of You did nightlife. go the roundabout way. Yeah. And I guess like what... You know how like sports figures when they retire they open a bar. Well, then when <laughs> when DJs retire we open bars. <laughs> this um, is quite different from what I would uh, imagine most DJs to open though. Like this is completely different from what it should have been. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, when it sh what it, the original plan for this bar was much bigger. Uh, it involved music every single night, maybe DJ, maybe a live band, and uh, we had a bigger space. But somewhere along the lines, the financing fell through. And <laughs> as tends to happen. As tends to happen. And this was my first, well, my first and only bar. So I really didn't know what I was doing when I, when, when I uh, started this business. And in the end, 
my ex-wife and I found this place and this place had everything that we needed, uh, everything that we wanted, and we could do it with a smaller amount of capital. And we just did it. And at the end of the day, what I say is like, you know, this space, I could be doing anything in this space. I could be selling burgers. I could be selling pancakes. It doesn't really matter as long as every person that comes in through this door, first of all, that I get people coming in through the door. Mm -hmm. And second of all, that everybody that comes in through the door spends X amount of money. And yeah, I mean, we've as we've said here for the last 25 minutes, we've had two groups of people try to poke in and have a drink already. So that's uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're if they're going to come back. Or not. This is kind of a weird neighborhood. Like we don't really get like um, uh, through traffic. It, it's just right. It's very residential. It here. is very residential. Well, so, the largest main street is what all the way down there. Like yeah. I walk down and well, that my, one coffee. also as well. Okay, but. If you come here, you you come here because this is your destination. Mm-hmm. There's not, or there, we do have two re- nice restaurants next to us and in front of us, and you, we get some spillover from them, and vice versa. What's the restaurant next door? Restaurant next door is Habruder's Hartering. It translates to the Brothers Hartering. It's a really good restaurant. It's one of the best in Amsterdam. I have to assume I, I, I didn't look at the menu, but they have a number of, of wine bottles just in the window, and they 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 weren't chump bottlings. There's, they have a very good selection of yeah, wines. Yeah, they had like yeah. Hermitage Blanc, and yeah. like there were some pretty cool empty bottles. And that's another thing. Like somewhere along the line, I realized I don't really want to compete with them, and I can't compete with them because mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna eat my lunch every uh, every chance that they get with their with their wine selection and their sommeliers like 10 times better than what I could be. So I just do what I know how to do. Right. I I mean, you've got what about, I don't know, 12 feet of bar space back there. I mean, you know what competing against them along with the cocktail program, you, 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 and like you said, we have five cases of liter bottles yet to go on the back bar. So I think it works out. You guys have a a symbiotic relationship. We have a great relationship. Food, wine over there, cocktails over here. We actually, we even do a a collaboration on the menu. It's a, it's a bone luge. Uh, I think that (laughs) you guys know what a bone luge is, right? Oh yeah. Well, they, they've been doing bone marrow since they opened and, uh, we've been doing whiskey since we opened, so we just said, "Okay, let's just put." Made sense. <laughs> put the two together. Nice. So your initial uh, plan was a bigger space, yes. DJ, and all that. Were you living in Amsterdam at the time you guys opened? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were just like, "Screw it, I'm going into the neighborhood." And yeah, we we were living in Amsterdam, and uh, w- the plan was always to open a open a place. And we just, you know, we did our research. We did, uh, we, we tried to get financing, and, and in the end, it all worked out for the best because this is uh, uh, small enough to where we can do it ourselves with no external financing. Sure. And we don't owe anybody anything. It's just us. Beautiful. Really. Yeah. yeah, that's a good feeling. Like I said, we, we were recommended to come here by numerous people, um, and. It seemed that we were getting the same recommendations on uh, maybe top, you know, eight to ten bars were coming up on everybody's list. Uh, you know, how's the cocktail scene here in Amsterdam? Is it um, it's still growing? Arrived? You know, I mean, you, oh, you said growing. you got some really challenging drinks on, on your menu is what you referred to before or some things that were, uh, you know, maybe flavor profiles that your customers weren't accustomed to or, uh, you know, and I wanted you to kind of speak to that, like, 
how how challenging is that for people? Are are, are people looking for that here in Amsterdam? Or can still, I can still I pushing? tell a little story and maybe answer this question and maybe not? But the story is kind of cool anyway. That's what we're here for. All right. Um, so I was at another bar. I won't name names, but I was at an, <laughs> I, I was at another bar, and it was my night off, and it was like a Friday night, and I was uh, having a beer by myself. And next to me were two local bartenders. I don't know their names, but they, I could tell that they were bartenders because they were looking at the menu and the menu had a house Negroni. Mm -hmm. And in place of the gin, it had a uh, bullet rye. And the bartenders were saying, well, technically this is a boulevardier. And I was just inwardly proud because I was smiling to myself because, first of all, when I opened this bar five years ago, no one or very few bartenders knew what a boulevardier was. Very few bar uh, there were a handful of bartenders that could make a proper Negroni, and, and no one would ever think of putting a boulevardier on a menu, and let, an, let alone at a popular bar like this. And so, like, everything just kind of coalesced into like, this kind of beautiful moment for me. I was like, oh, wow, we have arrived. We have arrived at this moment where uh, boulevardiers are common and you can see them on menus. And, and Did those two bartenders have their own ice with them? <laughs> <laughs> no, so let me continue the story. <laughs> so then um, uh, a woman walks up and orders two boulevardiers for the table and uh, or the house Negroni, house version of the Negroni, and then uh, the, the boulevardiers go to the table and the boulevardiers come back. The, the woman found, found them too strong. So, yes, we are there, but we still have a long way to go. Right. That's right. kind of the, the thing. I think, like, um, uh, five years ago, it, I had a, a hard time finding staff who were knowledgeable to work behind the bar. Nowadays, if, five years later, we have a whole cocktail culture where we have young kids who all they want to be is a bartender uh, and, mm -hmm. and make drinks. And I don't know if you, you guys remember, but like I'm old enough to remember where like, you know, bartending is the last refuge of the fuck ups. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, we are old enough and, to remember. It. <laughs> and now, now we have young kids that want to be bartenders, which is kind of well, kind fuck, of cool. There's celebrity bartenders now. Well, yeah, there's also that. You know. also I mean, geez, going. I, I worked in crappy sports bars and all kinds of stuff growing up. It was like if if you were the dude that came up to the bar and ordered like a Manhattan, it was like <sighs> I don't even know if we have vermouth and who are you are you like 90 you know <laughs> it's like now if i go into a bar and they can't make a manhattan i'm like all right we're leaving <laughs> they don't know what they're doing here <laughs> is um is the bartending culture here communal like did people absolutely yeah get along and yeah, share yeah. ideas and everything yeah do um do do they just go as bartenders or do people call themselves cocktailogists or mixologists <laughs> cocktailogists or any, any <laughs> shit like that I like that word can I steal that one yeah 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 it's, uh, I'm, I'm working on a, uh, an event in Indianapolis called uh, Cocktoberfest Cocktober uh, well uh, we'll see how that goes um, I think yeah I get a lot of I get a lot of um, resumes and it people. It says mixology on it. Yeah, the same mixologist on it. And I'm like, well, you know, you're a bartender first, you know, first and foremost. Like, I can teach you how to make drinks, but I can't teach you how to be cool, how to be nice, how to be a, a, a decent person, you know? So you do encourage, like, the more genuine approach and not, not 
being a douchebag or a, a cocktail elitist and oh know, absolutely hospitality first uh, yeah no absolutely. i mean it, it, I, you can be a great bartender you can be a great sommelier but you got to remember that ultimately you know that you you were there to facilitate the experience and i hate it when i come across a sommelier um because i don't actually look like i know a lot about alcohol i'm not you know wearing a fucking badge that says you know certifications or whatever <laughs> But oh, well, that's a different rabbit hole. That's good. <laughs> but I like you know I can't tell you how many times I'm in a restaurant and like a sommelier will try and correct me or they'll mm-hmm. say oh that wine won't go with that food or whatever and it's like fuck you I ordered the wine just bring it you know please thank you um, and I think bartenders sometimes you get the bartenders that really want to hear themselves rattle off twenty versions of Manhattan and it's like you know I just asked for. A gin and tonic or something, you know. What I mean, like, I feel out. like that's part of the evolution, though. Like, we've gone, it's a and even thing. in, um, well, you know, there was uh, what's a proper drink, the book that just came out recently about kind of the history of like going Dale DeGroff up to kind of current day and how we ended up where we were, at least in the United States. They do address uh, London, uh, France, and Australia as well, but you know, it's like. That, I can't remember who made the comment, but it was like you almost had to be an asshole in the beginning. You had to be the guy that said, right. "No, fuck you. We're not making you a vodka soda, or we're not making you a cosmopolitan because you need to learn how to drink quality cocktails." But then the realization came after several years of doing that, like, "Okay, now people are drinking good cocktails. Yeah. We no longer have to be the assholes. Now we have to concentrate on the hospitality aspect of it because." that is more important than what we're, you know. If you don't like being hospitable, then why the fuck are you in the hospitality business? Right. I, the way I see it is every night is a cocktail party at our house, and this is our house, and, you know, we just treat everybody like they're guests in our house. It's funny you say that because it feels exactly like your house. Um, I mean, you've obviously got a very well-provisioned bar, much better than mine at home, <laughs> But, I mean, we've got kind of a, a upstairs level, but when, for our listeners that can't see uh, the inside of the bar here, when I say upstairs, we're only about six, seven steps up. It's about, you know, kind of a half level up, and so it does. It feels like a living room. Yeah, and we, I think we were even voted best living room bar. Really? Like really? That. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. All right, I, thing, need to, yeah. I need to write for the media in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. You've done well doing that then, obviously. So what's what's the plan? I mean, obviously, I don't think you are like thinking about opening franchising or something like that. Or, Seventeen more HBS. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, don't know. I think um, for now, I've just get now gotten to a point where things are good, things are comfortable, um, bills are getting paid on time, more or less. Um, people are getting, uh, people are happy. The bar is, is is continuing, and for the first time since I opened, I have a, a staff that is that I've had for a very very long time. That's awesome. And previously, I, I had trouble retaining staff for longer than six months to a year. Now everyone uh, is is been here longer than than a year, and. And I can trust them. I, I can trust them with anything, and they pretty much run the business. I'm just I just come in and count the money. Sometimes that's pretty much it. That's a rare thing when you got a, a team working for you, where you know everybody gets it and everyone's dialed. Now, when they started here, yeah, when they when that staff started here, were they coming in with um, a lot of experience, or was that something that you trained? Um, Actually, I feel that you know in our places a little bit. Like I oftentimes have better luck with 
the people like Arthur said that came in with a fantastic attitude, and were, or like you said, yeah. uh, you know, they, they're, I can't train you how to be a cool person. I can train you the, you know, logistics of like making a drink or, you know, whatever, but I can't teach you how to be fun and likable and entertaining to a guest. And have the curiosity to try new things. Right. And I think uh, everyone that has, everyone that I have working now, like um, Monir, for example, he's my bar manager. He's been work. he he started out, it was kind of an interesting story because when he he started out with no bartending experience, like he worked in restaurants before. And, and he's your bar manager. He's my bar manager. Fantastic. And he, uh, he applied for a job in August of, I don't remember which year, maybe 2014. And I didn't hire him until maybe November, but he kept coming back. He was like, he, he, he didn't give up. And, and when he came in, I was like, okay, well, you don't, you don't have any experience, but you're fun, you're likable. Every time you come in here, you're always smiling. And so I said, okay, well, I'll put you behind the bar. I'll train you from the ground up. And, and it worked out. And, you know, he paid his dues. And he's been, he's been working behind the bar. Now he's like one of the longest em employees that, I've, that I have working behind the bar. And... Uh, my girlfriend Renita as well she started out uh, on the floor and now she's behind the bar I think I have better luck with people that just come in just do the job that they're just doing and then get some curiosity for uh, what's going on behind the bar and say oh what's this oh and, and then we have menu meetings where we come up with with drinks and uh, in this menu for example we have a lot of drinks that were made by by the wait staff, which hasn't happened before. So we just encourage people to just just do things. You know, I'm not going to stop you from from doing something. I'm going to tell you when it's when it doesn't taste sure. good, but just do it. How how do your menu meetings work? Does uh, everybody get together and you? Uh... So everyone is tasked with all the bartenders. So we have three bartenders, four if you count myself, but three bartenders and the bartenders are tasked with coming up with 10 drinks so that's 30 drinks and then the, the wait staff can come up with as many drinks as they as they want usually they come up with anywhere between three and five how many on the wait staff uh three more people yeah so this time around i think we had something like 45 drinks to go through and out of those 45 drinks we juiced 12 okay did you so you're choosing 12 as they were or with some no, tweaks. no. <laughs> we choose the 12 that are because sometimes ideas repeat themselves sure right. so we might we might consolidate two ideas uh -huh. like, okay this garnish worked with with uh this drink was kind of like incomplete but i really like the garnish or the presentation let's uh put it with this drink that is kind of similar to that for example or if there's like too many gin drinks then we try to you know um come up with well can can we substitute this is a really nice one can we substitute it with i don't know something else and then we just come up with every uh, after we've chosen the 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 12 drinks then everyone is involved in the uh creative process to make those drinks even better than they were okay cool so who's the uh ultimate uh, decision maker is that really come down to you uh, yes yeah, I, I hold veto power yeah, yeah i kind of assume that that was well, I would assume so, but you know, there's the. This is not a democracy. This is, this is, this is not a democracy. <laughs> no, never, no. never, never. Um, as I'm sitting here and I'm looking up at your uh, at your chalkboard here, and some insane equation 
uh, <laughs> that has got DeLoreans in the Fuchs capacitor divided by 88. That's amazing <laughs> because we've got 1.21 gig. My brother-in-law would be freaking out just over that part of the equation right there, Marty, mom. That, this uh, is, that, you, that, that came to me in a dream. And <laughs> I, um, Hard to believe. <laughs> I woke up one, one, one night and I just scribbled it on, on some paper and then went back to sleep. And then the next morning I just saw that and I... I basically, um, we came to this bar and there were these the the space up above these windows that you see, and they had chalk uh, and chalkboards, but they were covered up in in drapes, and I never really liked it. And you know what they had before was they had their menu on the on the oh, chalkboard. Right. It's a little high up for a menu, though. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cheesy. And then what 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 people also do is poetry on chalkboards and i thought that was even cheesier yeah so what hasn't been done i didn't see anywhere was math and math can be poetry so oh we, absolutely we put some silly equations i put two equations that are that are actual proper quantum physics equations and if you guess the name of them i'll buy you a shot <laughs> and that's kind of it, it's a conversation starter and look we're talking about it right now and and then the other one, the the Back to the Future one, that came about because yes, yeah, so that is not quantum physics. No, no, <laughs> I, no, like, no, no, I don't know. That, that's beyond what we're you're currently uh, understand about time travel. That's just <laughs> that's just me being a nerd, and I just wanted. I, I, I actually what I would what I would really like to do, and then someday I might get around to doing this, is express different time travel paradoxes through silly mathematical equations based on movies oh there's so much too yeah so like this is the back to the future time travel paradox where if you like sleep with your mom you fade away you never existed but you gotta do a terminator paradox exactly 12 monkeys right yeah 12 monkeys (laughs) there's so many (laughs) no it's funny though i I look at these chalkboards and i'm hearing like the music from a beautiful mind in the back of my head (laughs) yeah You're not really here, nor is Guillermo. (laughs) You're talking to yourself. For all I know, I could be in a room right now that's padded white, and I'm just thinking I'm in Amsterdam (laughs) completely. Um, So uh, how many days a week are you guys open? Seven days a week. You're going to see us. (laughs) How long are you in town for? Uh, We're here... Thursday? We leave Thursday afternoon to go to yeah. Alsace. Yeah, this whole trip actually was just a spur of the moment. Our uh, our guest a month ago uh, is the general manager of Pierre Spar in Alsace, and he was like, ah, oh, you should come to Alsace for the uh, the wine fair. And right. Done. Two hours later, we're like, fuck <laughs> it, let's go. Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> so, you can either go through Paris or you can go through Amsterdam. We were like, done. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, Are you going to any other bars? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to try to hit as many as possible. My, my wife's not a big drinker, so... Um, uh, but she's also an early riser, so she's... That's good. Uh, so you can do the day stuff and the night stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and absolutely, uh, you know, try to feed ourselves well. We haven't eaten a real meal in quite some time. Well, get on a boat. Yes, tomorrow we are doing... Uh, so a good friend of mine actually uh, runs a food tour company in uh, Rome called Eating Italy Food Tours. Um, okay. He's originally from Philadelphia, but he moved to Rome. I don't think he was recommending ago. a tour. I think he was kind of telling no, me to No, I'm saying like off. tomorrow. Like, get on a boat. No, yeah, no. Yeah, right, yeah, tomorrow, right, like yeah. definitely see the city, yeah. but the best way to see the city is on, uh, well, either by bike or on a boat. Yeah. I don't want to ride a bike. So man. Kenny's like, yeah, not not here. I've already <laughs> witnessed too many people like, make me uncomfortable with these trucks <laughs> a foot and a half behind you. 
but yeah so he's he runs a tour here as well and like part of the last half of it you just jump on a boat to like check out the city yeah that's that's beautiful yeah i'm really excited this is my first time in amsterdam it won't be my last i can i mean all of three hours i've seen the hotel and this bar so far and i'm like i love the city (laughs) what are the the other places on your list oh gosh uh i have a long list but um definitely uh tales and spirits was highly recommended door 74 we're actually uh meeting with timo tomorrow cool um and gonna sit down tell him i said hello absolutely (laughs) or he could or he could hear the hello in a few weeks and like oh damn i wish i would have known he said hello um, is Porum on? But your he's list? coming back from uh, from Tales today, so we oh, weren't right. sure if he was going to make it back uh, in time. We weren't sure that we were going to make it in mm-hmm. time. So, uh, and we do appreciate you taking time out of your day as well because we no were problem. running late on the flight. Uh, I'm sorry, what was it? Uh, Porum. Porum. Uh, it is now. Yes, <laughs> you definitely should check that one out. All right, cool. P O R E M. Okay, well, noted. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I've got everything saved on my Google Maps yeah. as always. And uh, Rosalia's Menagerie. Okay, well, added, um, because we're going to hit you up here in a few minutes after we wrap up as you're setting your yes. bar up for places to eat as well. Cause I'm we just were, plugging, plugging away. No, we were totally like and, depending on okay. you to guide us for the rest of the time in the city. You're the first person we ran across. And well, I we know no you've got to set I'm that doing, bar up, right. but um, before we wrap up, we always ask everybody the same question. Um, and do you have any hangover cures that you would uh, recommend? Uh, I Other than esoteric Berlin uh, beverages that we can't get, um, I, <laughs> that stuff is so awesome. I haven't really had hangovers in a while. I think uh, you're I think, the second guest in the last few weeks to say that. I I, I I don't know. Maybe I am drinking smarter. Maybe I'm drinking less. Maybe I'm drinking too much. I oh, don't right, really or know. more. Your tolerance yeah. is up. <laughs> um, I think my hangover cure. Well, what I want the next morning uh, after a night of boozing is. Uh, spicy food. Here, what I want is a capsulon. What's capsulon? Oh, capsulon is capsulon is is gold. It's ambrosia, food of the gods. Okay. It's uh, basically it's a bed of fries, and it's it's a it's an Amsterdam thing. So, I, well, it could be a Rotterdam thing as well, but I'm not sure. It's a bed of fries, and then on top of the fries, it's like like kebab meat, like the from the Donner kebabs. And then uh, melted cheese, and then spicy sauce, and the garlic sauce, and then a handful of lettuce and a little bit of tomatoes just for veggies. All right, to shit, pretend we're, that we're, you're eating healthy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying that shortly. Yeah, absolutely. Soon. Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, we're, you're definitely going to see us soon, if not right, like cool. in a few hours after you get your bar set up and wow. actually get open to the public. Um, well, thank you guys. You got any uh, social media things yeah, we you can plug or website? We're on or we're on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, and we're not really on Instagram, but I do have an Instagram. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll get there <laughs> one day at a time. You, you can't stay hidden <laughs> if you're on social media. But <laughs> well, we're definitely on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Cool. All right, well, gentlemen, thank you so much, yeah, and Guillermo. Uh, very much look forward to trying some of your cocktails in a few hours here. 